mass incarceration and punishment define the American prison system. Yet many other countries handle criminal justice differently, including Finland. It has one of the lowest prison populations in the world, and one-third of prisons in Finland operate as open facilities. That means inmates can leave to go to work or school. And the model is seen as successful. Crime didn't go up. Rehabilitation is the philosophy. WBEZ's Natalie Moore traveled to the Nordic country and has this first story in a series. Vanaja Men's Prison has 50 men. It's in Hamelina, a town in southern Finland. This open prison opened in the 1990s and is a former workers' colony. Next door is a farm, and one of the prisoners is a caretaker. The animals run toward him when they spot him. The land is sprawling, and prisoners take walks without an escort. Men wear electronic monitors, but no chains, no cages, no locks. A white two-story building that houses the prisoners resembles a dorm or a hostel. The other one is red and ranch style. I'm unable to go inside because of COVID-19 restrictions. I see men at a barbecue grill preparing lunch. Every meal is cooked by inmates, and every Friday an unmarked white van ferries them to the grocery store. Prisoners have cell phones and bank accounts. They do their own laundry. They can order takeout. Kaisa Tammy Moylanen is director of this men's prison. We do not want them to be packed together and spent the whole day with us only. We believe that's not the best idea. And since we are focusing to getting them back to uh, society, we are focusing on releasing them as soon as it's possible. <laughs> Earlier that morning at 7.30, a group of seven men left the prison for work. They drill park benches for the city of Hamelina for more than four euros an hour. These prisoners arrived in an unmarked white van so passerbys don't notice. They wear neon yellow municipal uniforms just like other city workers, including the supervisor in charge who isn't a prisoner. 44-year-old Christian has been in the open prison since December of last year. There's no obstacles for running away if you if you want, so it's not very prison-like. We lock our own doors and uh, there's no bars for the windows. Christian's crime was white-collar fraud. When you're done working and you're done with dinner, what do you do the rest of the, the evening? Uh, I study in the evening. What are you studying? Are you in school? Yeah, right now I study languages. Have you ever been in a closed prison? Yeah, many times. Oh, many times. It's uh, Everything is relative, but five times maybe. And how were you able to get to an open prison? Because uh, by law I have an uh, opportunity to apply to go to open prison. Christian is scheduled for release this month. You might be thinking, hmm, okay, Christian was a bank scammer. A crime, but not a violent crime. The Finnish penal system doesn't make a distinction between the two. Mika, for example, is serving a life sentence for murder. Life sentence actually means 15 years and parole eligibility after 12. Mika got transferred to the open prison from a closed one for a good behavior and sobriety. He plans to be a gardener. Prison sentences fewer than two years can land someone in an open prison out the gate. The second thing you may be thinking is Finland is a tiny country compared to the United States. 
but Finland's 5.5 million population is the same size as Cook County. The jail population and state prison populations are obviously different, and murders in Finland tend to be by knife because guns aren't easy to get. Another men's open prison is a 15-minute boat ride from Helsinki. Somalina Prison is on the island of the same name. It's a fortress and United Nations World Heritage Site that is a popular tourist destination. Most visitors don't know an open prison exists or that the men sentenced there help to maintain it. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Seneca Sorella is the prison director and greets me. The views from the prison are of the sea. A bird feeder is perched by trees. The open prisons I see incorporate nature and trails. Saunas are as ubiquitous as bathrooms in Finland and not associated with spas like in the U.S. So prisons have them too. The buildings at Somalina look nothing like the hulking concrete drab prisons in the U.S. Here, sleek designs are the aesthetic. The blue and gray one-story buildings look like something you'd see on a campground, a summer motel with single rooms. There was an architectural contest. You were on the committee. Why, why did people like this? This was winning because also in that competition, it was said that maybe one day there won't be prison anymore. I find that intriguing because part of the reason I wanted to report on the open prison system in Finland is based on the work of abolitionists in Chicago, people who envision a society without prisons. Open prisons aren't that, but this prison director is imagining an even different system. What you were saying sounds very similar to what <laughs> they are saying. It's not, let's just release, let's not have criminals. I would think that there wouldn't be a need for many prisons at all in the world because, because actually the, the better sanction than imprisonment, much better sanction is community. They are community sanctions, like community service. Even according to the research, it's working in a best way. Sarella is very clear these are her personal opinions, not the government's. The prison agency in Finland has a value statement using words like respect for human dignity, belief in an individual's potential to change and grow. The basic idea of keeping a person locked up in a room doesn't usually help. Vocation training, mental health are the focus. Back in Hemelina, I asked Kaisa Tammy Moylanen how such a system, vastly different from the one in the United States, functions. In Finland, the politicians don't have that much conversation about criminal policy. And that's a good thing. God forbid. <laughs> Academics are behind the approach of the whole system, she says. While I was visiting open prisons in August, I posted pictures and observations on social media. Greenery and open space, flowers and nature trails, buildings without cages, without fences, exteriors resembling campgrounds and hostels. Most people who responded were curious. Some weren't. I read those tweets to prison director Kaisa Tammy Moylanen as we stand on the mouth of a small lake at a women's open prison. Prison is supposed yeah. to be a punishment, not yeah. a group vacay at a cute B&B. Yeah, it, it is so annoying to think that, uh, what would that punishment do? I think if, you been raise, if you've been raising children, everyone knows that uh, 
it is not by punishment that you make good uh, like things come. Uh, children, if you punish them hard, they become usually worse. <laughs> it's the same with the adult people. If we are rude to them, if we are harsh to them, if we put them to the dark places and say that you've been bad, remember you've been bad, it won't work any good. And one day they will be released. What do you want? Do you want them to be released from a dark cell? Or do you want them to be released so that they've been practicing the problems they might have? Open prisons mean the ability to leave the facility for schooling or a job. A social worker plus classes on substance abuse and anger management are among what's offered. Open prisons have a small population to give individual guidance. A life prison sentence is 15 years, with parole after 12. As I mentioned in yesterday's story, research, not politics, guides prison policy. I heard one prison official use the term customers as she described inmates. She used the words dignity and rehabilitation. But Finland's penal system didn't always look like this. So in the 1800s, not just in Finland, they started to have these ideas of, this, of um, solitary confinement. So one prisoner per cell so that the prisoners could be better controlled and you know, not harmful influences from the other prisoners and give this uh, work, through work and penance and religion. In the town Himalina, a former castle is a former prison. Now it's a museum, and I'm going on a tour. Even after they got the toilets on the floor, for example, during the night time, they still used the chamber pots. And in the morning, when the cell doors were open, so there was a cart going here, and they could then um, empty the chamber pots. And as you can imagine, it created quite a big stench. Overcrowding and harsh prison conditions remained until after World War II. An effort to humanize the Finnish prison system is decades in the making. First, with worker colonies. The 1970s is an important divergence. In the U.S., policymakers score political points by getting tough on crime and declaring war on drugs. They cemented excessive punishment in a system that has devastated black and brown communities with mass incarceration. Meanwhile, Finland adopted open prisons and saw its prison population plummet. Tapio Lapi Seppala is a professor of criminal law and criminology at the University of Helsinki. Every piece of legislation which is drafted on criminal justice is prepared by civil servants who have a strong research background. The leading scholar says very few politicians build their political career around crime. In 1960s research found... We could really anticipate and assume that... uh, even if we do major changes with our prison system, that will not have a, a serious uh, effects on the crime rates. There are about 3,000 prisoners in Finland. A third are in open prisons. The most common offense is some form of violence. Recidivism is lower in open prisons. Lapi Sapala says open prisons allow inmates to have contact with the outside world and an environment that makes it easier to transition back into society. They do provide the possibility also for, well, improving, or let's say that not destroying your economic situation. It does minimize those basic harms of imprisonment in in a pretty effective way. Mapi Sepala says taking away someone's liberty is enough. 
Back on the island, Samalina, that houses a men's open prison, I met Miko, who was 29 years old. They trust us more. Before COVID, he attended university classes in person. Miko says he has counselors and they help with his mental health issues and thinking differently. I have a life sentence for two murders. Do you feel like prison has made you a, a better person? I think prison itself doesn't make anybody a better person. That depends what that person do when he is in prison. So I think this time has made, made me a better person. In his book, Tapio Lapi Sapala, writes something that really illustrates the difference between the two countries. Neighborhood watch programs in the U.S. emphasize surveillance and reporting of suspicious activities to the police. The Nordic emphasis is on joint neighborhood activities and mutual assistance. I know this is such a big question, but our audience is going to want an answer to this. Why is crime low here? Well, it is a big question. Uh, Not all crime is low. Well, gun crimes are low because it's very hard to get a gun. Legal guns must be registered and licensed on a per-gun basis. Most are used for hunting. Firearms are used in only 14% of homicides. Knives are common in homicides. There is a very strong uh, comparative evidence showing that if there is any single factor that explains the level of lethal violence, differences in the level of lethal violence, that is income differences uh, and social differences. That's the only robust uh, correlate, let's say, that that runs through every society, if you look. So violence is very strongly uh, related to legitimacy of the the social and political system and, and experiences of fairness and experiences of possibility participate in the society in a, from an equal basis, not to be uh, put uh, outside or put in, in, into marginals. Finland is a social welfare state where health care, child care, elder care, parental leave are provided, and it's an easy system. That mentality also informs its prison system. Research informs the criminal justice system in Finland. But this is just one example of how their society works. WBEZ's Natalie Moore sat down with a Finnish writer to get a glimpse of how all of this is connected. My name is Anu Partanen. I'm the author of the book The Nordic Theory of Everything in Search of a Better Life. To understand Finland, I picked up this book first. I wanted to understand the ethos of a country that takes such a different, less punitive approach than the U.S. when it comes to criminal justice. I reached out to her and we met at a popular food hall in Helsinki where the smoked salmon is as charred and delectable as Southside Chicago rib tips. On page five, Partinen quotes a British politician who once quipped, if you want the American dream, go to Finland. The American dream, of course, is is the idea that every generation can do better than the previous one and that with hard work and, and your own talent, you can improve your lot in life and you can become more educated or, or earn more or forge your own path in life, regardless of your family wealth or connections or so on. 
She says that used to be the great American strength that anyone would come to America from a different country or background, and they could really make what they wanted out of themselves. Hartinen says studies show that Nordic children born into the lowest income class are surpassing their parents in social mobility. Plus, college is free in Finland and in the other Nordic countries. There's very strong public taxpayer-funded social services, which include. Um, paid parental leave for parents so that they can be there and present for babies. Um, it includes affordable subsidized daycare so that every child, literally in Finland, every child has a right to a spot in a public daycare. Private schools are pretty much non-existent in Finland. Public schools are great, and a teaching career is considered prestigious, the way we law doctors and lawyers in the U.S. When Partinen lived in the U.S., she sometimes heard people pejoratively refer to her country as a so-called nanny state. It took me a while to understand that. Okay, so Americans think that we're all these like childlike, maybe well-meaning people in the Nordic countries, but we're really dependent on the state that tells us what to do, and we don't really have freedom. And and that was really at odds with how I had experienced my life in Finland and how I think most Nordic people experience their lives. The Nordic model is the government is tasked with arranging the most essential social services with taxpayer money. So the government arranges. Uh, daycare arranges, healthcare arranges, elderly care, and we're sort of outsourcing it to the government, and it makes sense. Finns see this not as charity, but their taxes that work. And this philosophy is the Nordic theory of love, the emotional core of her book. True friendship or romantic partnership, it cannot be honest and authentic unless both individuals are independent and equal. And independent and equal, even within a family, between children and parents, and between partners, uh, romantic partners. And it doesn't mean that that um, you don't care for one another, or you don't help one another, but you both have to have the basic freedom to be able to be really honest, so that you don't depend on the other person for your really. Um, Life and death questions like cancer care. Like, why should I have my cancer treatments be dependent on whether my husband's employer offers health insurance and whether I am on that insurance? Like those kinds of chains of dependencies and power imbalances that that you see in American families were really difficult for me to understand as a Nordic person. And so here, the thinking is also that the, the government's services that everybody gets universal, no questions asked. So this ethos is really about liberation, independence, and freedom, because if you don't have to worry about healthcare or childcare, you have time for other pursuits and a peace of mind. Given the Nordic theory of love and the way society works, have you thought about how the prison system here is impacted by these Nordic theories? A lot of the Nordic thinking comes from thinking that we need to give people the tools that they need for them to be able to function as, you know, respectable members of society. And most of us want to be part of society. Nobody starts out as wanting to be a, a criminal or an outcast. Or uh, it happens for different reasons. But for but if you support people's opportunities since they're children, you you end up probably with less crime. So it seems, based on statistics. But the same thinking, I think, um, applies to prisons here. You think that you have prisoners, and you really should try to help them so that when they get out, they have the tools, they have the ability to join society and not continue on the path to crime. Her book is for Americans, for us to think about possibilities of reimagining society that helps everyone. 
But of course, the pushback Partinen gets is that America is too big, too diverse, too political to resemble anything like Finland. There's the question of whether a diverse society could have these services, and, and I get asked that a lot. And I do think it can be a problem if people feel like they're in groups and they only want to share their taxpayer dollars with a certain group. I mean, that is human prejudice, and, and it can be a problem. But there are many diverse societies. Countries, Canada, Holland, that are even bigger and more diverse than the Nordic countries, who still have similar types of services. So I don't think that that's something that um, makes it impossible. And then the question of size: a lot of these social services are run in the U.S. by states and cities, even, and many of them are either the same size in population than the Nordic countries, or even smaller. So you could certainly start locally, right? Because Cook County. Is roughly the same population as Finland, 5.5 million. Prisons in Finland are much different than in the United States, but there are shortcomings to this system. Vanaja's women prison is a former potato farm with a lake. Inmates walk a wooded trail to observe the leaves change colors in autumn, or lace up boots for a trek during winter. And on the sprawling campus is a mother's dormitory-style wing. Hello, hello. This is our living room, so we can. Pregnant women and mothers with young children who are convicted of crimes can live here until the child is three. At the moment, it's very quiet here. We only have one family here, so. Prison director Kaisa Tammy Moilanen. Mothers need support. They need to learn how to be a parent. Usually, they have already trauma background themselves from their childhood. That's why this wing is employed with child welfare specialists, not prison guards. Parenting classes, midwives, and breastfeeding tips are among the support. As one staffer put it, we try to make it home-like more than prison-like. It feels just like home. We're standing in a living room where books and toys abound. Plants and sunshine pouring in from the windows brighten the room. Stuffed animals lounge on the couch, waiting for cuddles. In January 2019, Sophia transferred here from a closed prison, pregnant, and Lumi, whose name means snow, was born. Sophia says it's important to build a relationship and bond with her child. The open prison experience has given her a new direction. She says the responsibility of having a child has changed her life. <laughs> Sophia says her life before prison was all about alcohol. Now she's taking care of herself physically too, with exercise and healthier eating. The understanding of self has grown for Sophia, who's 38 years old. Her goal is to stay sober and find a vocation. When is your sentence over? When do you leave?、Um, I don't know. <laughs> This is a stressful question for Sophia, who is serving a life sentence for murder. Bye bye. Prison director Tammy Moilanen fills me in on what is happening with Sophia. There's a Finland law that says children can't stay in the prison past three years old. Lumi turns three in January, and Sophia has another year left before she can be paroled. She has looked for mercy from the president,、mm-hmm. so that's what she's waiting now all, all time, and、uh, she's really nervous、I、about、see. it. Yeah. yeah. 
And of course, we all are. Tammy Moylanen says she originally didn't want Sophia transferred to this prison because she knew she'd be in this situation with her daughter due to the legislation. Someone else made it, and now we have to live with it. And uh, as I say, uh, wrote in my statement to the president... that uh, President of the country? Yes. She and Sophia are appealing for her to be released a year earlier so she can remain with her daughter. The rest of the open women's prison has one-story buildings with single units for the inmates. And there are even homes for families when they come to visit. I meet 73-year-old Montserrat, an Australian. I got a letter from this man. She totes folders full of correspondence related to her case and unspools what happened. He said he worked for the Bank of Scotland and... A client had died some years ago, and there was a large amount of money. 25 million pounds, and this stranger wanted to give it to her. All she had to do was travel to a few countries and meet people and take some clothes. It all seems too good to be true. I had doubts at the beginning. She did those travels. Customs searched her bags on a layover to Helsinki. They opened the suitcase, and there were drugs hidden inside the suitcase, very well hidden. I think about 3.5 kilos of, of heroin. And I was horrified. And that's how Montserrat ended up in open prison for a three-year sentence. I had to cut our conversation short because she thought our interview was my attempt to get her exonerated. I actually believe that her naivete landed her in prison, not being a drug mule. The prison director believes her, too. And over the past few years, she's observed a trend that's bothersome. Foreign women who are victims of trafficking, whether it's human or drug-related. Forcing people to the prostitution or something, of course, that's the most common ones. Uh, but like the women we see here uh, from uh, uh, African countries, sometimes in southern European countries or from eastern countries, uh, quite often they are forced or manipulated to uh, smuggle drugs. Uh, they are not benefiting from the crime at all. They, 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 they have been made to do it. And um, uh, the, the, the stories of these women, have, they are terrible. They're, they are usually exploited and abused several times by several people. And it's really hard to see them in prison, she says. Our legislation don't know the situation like that. That uh, you, you, you see the person only as a person who does a crime, but not the circumstances. It doesn't like realize that it can be a victim doing a crime. I heard that a lot in other interviews with scholars and journalists who study prisons here. For some women, there's a cycle of victim and perpetrator. Perhaps they committed a violent crime against an abuser. Substance abuse is common for people entering prison, particularly alcohol. For men, many are socially isolated in areas with high unemployment and a network of friends experiencing the same problems. These are the types of issues people bring to prison, and the prison is expected to solve. I also heard more mental health treatment is needed, although there are more enviable services than what's offered in the U.S. My trip to Finland was in August. As I finished writing this script, I emailed the prison director to get an update on Sophia. She responded within the hour. Sophia's pardon was denied. She is now preparing for her daughter Lumi to leave the prison in a few months. Child Protection Services is cooperating with Sophia and the prison staff. The director added, 
we at the prison will try to support Sophia and Lumi all the ways we can. Natalie Moore, WBEZ News. Natalie Moore's reporting from Finland was made possible by a grant from the Richard C. Longworth Media Fellowship Program, funded by the Clinton Family Foundation and supported by the Chicago Council on Global Affairs and the Pulitzer Center.